0: Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
1: The Michael Reed Show podcast. Tune in weekdays from 9 on LMFM. To contact us, email now. Michael at lmfm.ie
2: Thursday morning the 14th of December Good morning with much debate and discussion from now till 11am. This is Michael Reid on LMFM As you know the government has said the country is full and it does not have the wherewithal to continue with the generous reception it has been giving to Ukrainians since February of 2022. Next spring Ukrainians will be given accommodation but only for three months maximum and welfare rates will be cut from 220 €20 Euro to thirty-eight eighty.
3: You come into a country, you've got three months, you're probably living in a tent in, in, in Wicklow or some remote place. Um, how on earth are you supposed to find accommodation? We know that how hard it is. Look at the 6,000 people who live in direct provision who have refugee status but can't get out because we don't have an affordable or accessible rental market. These women and children are going to be in exactly the same state, except that they will have absolutely no right to accommodation. So they will either become homeless, and that's street homeless, because there's no responsibility on homeless services to look after refugees. They will be forced into a potentially exploitative situations, sexual exploitation and others, because people will offer them a room with uh, services. Um, and there will be, um, or they will be directed into the international protection system, which is what the government didn't want. So I can't see this policy being practically implementable.
2: That's Emma Lane Spollin, the National Coordinator for the Ukrainian Civil Society Forum, speaking to me yesterday. But the government says the changes are in line with what other countries offer Ukrainian refugees when they arrive there.
3: Today, the European Council on Refugees and Exiles did, a, did a, a review, and it's very varied. So Germany was 410 euros, Spain 400 France, 426, all higher than what Ireland is offering. Um, I mean, the, the 38 euros 80 that is being suggested uh, for people in the first three months while they are being accommodated is a direct revision payment that we know is below poverty level. Right? It is a below poverty level payment that there is no way needs to these uh, for people to be uh, have a minimum standard of living, and that we we that is a shame on a country that is wealthy as us. And that payment has been not moved since 2015. So, and it hasn't acted as a deterrent for people in the international protection system because that's not what motivates people. But it has resulted in children growing up in poverty. So, I, you know, that in itself is a problem. So every country is different. They're all higher, from what I can see from Ireland. The 90 days seems to be the most severe. Um, and, and we have no rental market for people to move into. So it's an impractical, unworkable uh, proposal. It simply is just to say, don't come.
2: Don't come. Indeed. Let's discuss this uh, with two government senators who join us now. Finnegales, John McGahan and Finna Falls, Erin McGrane. Good morning to both of you and thanks for joining us on the programme uh, this morning. Erin McGrane, are you comfortable with us?
4: I think it's important that we do regularise the, the process and also Make it fair, but between all refugees, we have a two-tier refugee system at the minute, where Ukrainian refugees are entitled to to extra, and other refugees aren't. So I think that is that is very right and proper. I also think that you know we you look at you look at what other countries are doing. Um, you know, Czech Republic have you know free, for accommodation for a limited of 150 days. Estonia have for four months. Um, Poland have 120 days, but after that you're expected to pay 50% of the costs. So I think um, it's we are in line with other countries. Um, it's important not, if someone is safe in another country, but that they are safe there. Um, we are in the middle of a huge housing crisis, Michael, and we have to make it fair on everyone. And I don't think what is missing from the conversation there is that we're not going to evict refugees, from the current housing, we're going to you know reduce the payments so they're in line with other refugees um, and I think that is that is important to note and it's for refugees that are coming from now from from when the legislation is passed and the regulations are signed from then onwards and um, there will also be special special circumstances for people who are very ill, people who are very vulnerable so it's not about it's not about toughing people out it's not about not taking in refugees. All international law and EU law will be upheld and, and looked and, and and adhered to. But I think we must look at the situation and say that we must not have a hierarchy of refugees. And this is exactly an amendment to that, in my opinion.
2: OK. Uh, John McGahan, do you agree with uh, that uh, opinion? Erin McGreen uh, seems satisfied that we'll put people into poverty, destitution, prostitution, crime, not to mention the impact on their mental health or, or their I physical health, uh, for that mind. matter, uh, because of sleeping on that, the streets. Well, well, that's... Uh, that's you you huge, did. That's a huge, you did. huge accusation. But that's what you oh, just that's said. That's a huge accusation. My you, just said. To me you just said. So I, I you did. You just said like the international... You just said like the international protection applicants who we put into poverty, destitution, prostitution, crime, whose mental health Terribly impacted because no, of the way Michael, we treat them, never that, mind Michael. putting them on the streets. Michael. You're obviously Michael, you satisfied that. with that. You said that's rectifying, you said that's rectifying a situation that is already you are
5: uh,
4: after accusing yes. me, Michael, of saying that I, I want to put people into a prostitution. No, I've interpreted I, what, I've what I've interpreted what no, you've no, said. No. To, you accuse me, you cannot interpret. interpret. I did not say that, and that is a huge accusation, but, well, uh, and it's absolutely absurd and unfair. No, it's not I
2: absurd and unfair. I
4: offence to that.
2: It's not I absurd and, to that. Not absurd and
4: unfair. To that. Uh, but, but, and if you ask me, it's all wrong. If you're being but, about put about out,
2: people. if you're being put out on the street with your children.
4: No, I, I said
2: And a man comes along to you, and a man who comes along to you and offers you a room, and offers you a room. I clearly
4: said evictions aren't In return for sex, and that vulnerable people are going to be looked after. I know you said that evictions aren't going to happen. But people but are going to come here, after
2: three months they'll be put, put on the streets.
4: Absolutely after, outrageous. It's not outrageous. Absolutely it's outrageous. Ha, ha, ha. Outrageous, Michael.
2: After three months people will be put say on the that streets. I was going,
4: no, I did not say that. But I did not after that. three there months no people, people will opinion. be
2: put, the government has said that, that after three months people will be put on the streets.
4: They're going to be su- supported. It is not it is not, not be put put on i on the streets. I did not say that. There will be no evictions, Michael.
2: What do you mean? There'll be no evictions.
4: Children, families will not be put out onto the streets.
2: Well, what is the government talking about then? The government is saying that after three months, the state will no longer be able to provide them. The
4: payments will be them. reduced. The payments will be reduced when they're in state accommodation. They won't. They won't be able to continue in continue getting getting full payments, getting, getting... No, I don't
2: think you understand what the proposal is. The proposal is that whilst they're in state accommodation, they'll be getting 38.80. After three months, that accommodation will no longer be available to them and they'll be given the equivalent of job seekers 220 euro. Uh, and it's up to them then to find accommodation or sleep on the streets. They now, given be uh,
4: They won't We're not for you. They will be supported, Michael. But it's absolutely well, ridiculous. Mean, no, hold on. Excuse me. Hold of on. Policing, you, uh, well, prostitution. Hold
2: on. Hold on a second. Where will they be supported, and how will they be supported, and where can I read a policy or listen to uh, one of uh, the cabinet tell us how they will be supported?
4: Well, we have. We, this is this is. If you ask me a question, we must ensure that there is there is. A, a, a supported accommodation policy. But there, there isn't.
2: There
6: has to be social workers. There isn't. <laughs> that, 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 that's the proposal. After three months, well, what you're I, on your what,
4: own. What I'm getting from my colleagues in Leinster House, in my conversation with, with, with ministers in the department, there will be supports. This is not about...
2: The support is that you'll it. be turfed out, get, get a, your own flat if you can, but you, you will go from 3880 to 220, so that might give you a chance. But the reality, as we all know, is there's no hope of somebody uh, living in state accommodation for three months on 3880 and then suddenly being able to find a deposit and rent a, a flat. It, 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 there is no support.
4: I, 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 obviously, I disagree. There, there will. No, no, there there really it's, not a, it's not a question there of. It's not a, it's not a it's question not of disagreeing.
2: It's a question of the, the policy that is being implemented, most likely from February.
4: That's what the government is doing. I, I, I disagree with your interpretation, Michael.
2: It's not an interpretation. Uh, John McGahan, what's your understanding of it? I'm sorry for holding you there. I did mean no, to come to you to about you. five minutes ago. Uh, well, what's, yeah, your, well, what's your no, understanding no, not
0: of at all. it? My, my, my view is quite clear on it. First, but what's your understanding,
2: just I'm just sure. to clarify this issue, I, I, am I correct? I, I mean, um, we've, uh, Fianna Senator, taking uh, issue with what I believe are the facts. Um, what is your understanding of the facts?
7: Uh
0: Sorry, I'm trying, trying, there was a bit of back and forth there, so I'm just trying to, my understanding of the facts are quite clear. There's 100,000 Ukrainians in Ireland today, not a single one of those 100,000 people are going to have any sort of a payment reduced. This is only going to affect people who aren't even in the state of Ireland today from the end of January 2024. So, for example, we've 100,000 in Ireland, 30,000 people are in their own
2: 80,000 in Ireland
0: 15k are. uh, uh, we have 101 as of today. Uh, 15K our children are in Irish schools, 15K are working in the Irish economy. Yeah. Uh, 80,000 Ukrainians. Uh, well, I, uh, the stats I had were 101,000 uh, Ukrainians, that's what the T-shirt said. Okay, was well... well uh, but uh, uh, let's call it 80, let's call
2: it... Something. Yeah, well, I, I'd have thought it was 100,000 until we heard from Emmalane Spollin yesterday, uh, who's yeah, uh, I'd, I'd, taken I'd, I'd, issue I'd with to, a I'd, number of the things. Uh, yeah, i uh, uh, it, Take an issue as well with the idea that 800 people are coming to the country on a daily basis. She says it's 450. But uh, just to get to the point of the... the yeah. to establish the fact, come February, people come here, they'll be offered accommodation for three months, Correct. Correct. After that, then, uh, they will be asked to find their own accommodation, correct? Correct. Uh, and they'll be given an increased uh, welfare rate of €220 Euro, uh, relative uh, to what they would have received in the first three months, which is correct. 3880
4: Okay. Correct. All right. absolutely.
2: Okay, do you accept that, Erin McGreen? Uh,
4: yes, okay, but I do, thank I do not you. accept they're going to be evicted and, and, and no, thrown no, out into I, prostitution, Michael.
2: Okay, John McGahan, uh, fair enough if you don't accept that. But I I think that's one of the concerns we heard there from the people working with Ukrainians on the ground. John McGahan, um, you wanted to go on from there.
0: Yeah, sorry. So, so just to come back to it, and, and I'd love to have the opportunity maybe to have a, have a discussion with Emma Lane there because I think, I think uh, and I saw what the Ukrainian forum said uh, actually recently, where that these changes have resulted in widespread anxiety in the Ukrainian community in Ireland. I thought that was slightly disingenuous because this is not going to affect a single person of the 100,000 Ukrainians in Ireland today. It's only going to affect people that come into Ireland at the end of January. And who will they um, be? Well, the thing well, that is, they
2: will be known to, for the most part, they'll be known to Ukrainians in this country, and that is why it's causing anxiety amongst the Ukrainian community. They're, you're talking about family reunification, friends, and uh, yeah. o- other people, and that's why so, they're coming to
0: Ireland. Exactly, uh, I, I, and well, well yeah, the comes... So is it disingenuous
2: then, or is it a, a reasonable thing to say? Because that sounds, to me, like so, so, what you would so expect.
0: Can I, can I, yeah, I would just love to be able to make the point. So what I would say, why, why are Ukrainian people coming to Ireland? It's not just because we're maybe paying 100 quid more than Poland or 200 quid more than Germany. They're coming for a variety of reasons. In my view, we're the furthest country away from Russia. Ukrainians feel safe here. We're the only English-speaking country in the EU. The vast majority of people coming, as I said, are women and children. We have a good education system. We have good job opportunities. It's a really good country to come to. One third of all Ukrainian people who are now coming to Ireland are coming from another EU member state. On average, we have 100 people coming a day. Let's call it on average about. We 600, don't. We, uh, we,
2: we don't know the detail of, of uh, that claim that the Taoiseach made in the doll yesterday, when he was questioned, or or a couple of days ago, when he was questioned on it, he himself said he he didn't have the detail on it uh, as to what time frame that relates to that 30% of those had come here from other countries. But uh, are, are you like Aaron okay. McGreehan, satisfied with this change in policy which will result in people being put into poverty, destitution, prostitution, crime. It'll have a terrible impact on their mental health, let alone their physical health, uh, if uh, they end up sleeping on the streets.
0: No, I, I am happy with the government's decision with this and, and for a couple of reasons. The first reason is, Aaron pointed out to it there, it's bringing us into line with other EU member states. So again, I looked up this this morning ahead of this, at the minute we're paying €880 euro a month, Poland at 710 Germany at 501, France is 420, Spain is 400, Italy is 300, Holland is 260. So Ireland is clearly an outlier. We are very, very generous, and as we should be. Other countries are making changes already. But we're going Spain to, to, to 3880. are payments. Spain in Italy will stop payments after three months. Germany and Poland have already introduced the 90 and 100 day limit. So the situation is that numbers are coming here still remain large. We're making change with that in mind. This has been going on for two years. It's going to continue. After after
2: 90 days in Germany, do you think people will be able to find somewhere to live?
0: Well, I can't speak about Germany, but I can speak about Ireland. So let's say, for example, after 90
2: days, do you think people will be able to find somewhere to live in Ireland? I believe they will be in Germany and I don't believe they will be in
0: Ireland. Yes. So let me let me talk about the Irish context for a second. Let's say you are Uh, affected by these new rules. Let's say you come to Ireland from Ukraine in March of next year for the first time, after 90 days. Uh, 30,000 Ukrainian people that have been here in the last year have already sourced their own accommodation. They're living independently of the state. That's 30,000 people. Now, I'm not saying it's going to be impossible. I'm not. Of course, it's going to be difficult in the situation where we're in, but it is not impossible. And 30,000 people are already living independently. The rent of the room scheme is going really well. And you mentioned yourself there. Huge amount of Ukrainians have already set up their own networks. They've established their own communities. They're helping other Ukrainians with housing when they come in here. Uh, And I don't think it's a case that often 90 days you're going to have people on the street. It's Seriously, are you people. serious?
2: Are you serious? I mean, do, 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 yeah. do you want me to send you on a tape of this uh, and you can listen back to yourself? No, my God. I, I mean, I'm this is very, just. I'm this being is,
0: very straight. You're asking me a straight question. Yeah, I'm giving mm, you a straight answer. Yeah. There's 30,000 people currently living yeah. independently in Ireland that are. And you? And you think that after three months themselves.
2: living in a tent, as Emma Lane Spollen, uh put it there, uh, as a potential for people coming here, living on 3880 that after three months like that, that they'd be able to go out and find themselves a flat. Are you there's, serious?
0: There's 15,000 Ukrainians working in the Irish economy today. People want to... Pe- Ukrainian refugees come to Ireland don't want okay. to sit in state-led accommodation. Okay. They don't want to have 200 quid okay. a okay. week. They want to come here and work. Yeah. They want did, to integrate did, into our society. Did, they want to go to our schools. And they're coming here because it's a good place to live, is, a fair it, place to them, and it, we're it, going to... Ha,
2: the has the government given in to the right wing?
0: no absolutely not we're just going straight back in line with other EU members
2: Erma Green uh, do you believe uh, that the government has gone uh, uh, down this road because of uh, the local and European elections and the right wing policies uh, that candidates will be fighting
4: no I absolutely absolutely don't think that Michael at all I think exactly what John said there and the government is constantly looking at what other EU countries are doing they're discussing with this with with their European counterparts and all they're not they're, they're actually This is in. we're bringing this back in line with other European countries they're all and doing more than eight. what is being
2: proposed next year you're talking about 400 euro uh, in a uh, lot of these countries and you're talking about countries that don't have a housing crisis where you'll be able to find uh, somewhere to accommodate yourself I mean what we are doing here is subjecting people to poverty to homelessness uh, and to desperation which can lead to crime well, Michael, and can lead to prostitution
4: we've had we've had many we've had many conversations over you know if you look at it, if this country in its entirety and this country has full unemployment there are jobs empty all over the place people cannot get workers. So when we're, when we're looking at, when we're looking at the reality, immigration is absolutely an essential part of keeping this economy going and we welcome that and when, when, when it is absolutely clear, we have a, a crisis in, in accommodation, in, in emerging accommodation for when refugees come in. So when you have the 90 days limit on it, it allows us, it does, yes, put pressure on an individual to move on, absolutely. But it also, there are jobs in this country, Michael, mm. and it is very, very welcome for we have those refugees that come in, have the 90 days here, support mm. to get the lay of the land, to look at the situation, to get a job, Absolutely, Michael. I welcome that.
2: Yeah. Do you that. applaud the the far right? Sorry, as,
4: as do, you, as you, do, Michael? do
2: you applaud the far right? Uh, I mean, do you I mean, do you think? Do you, do you think that, do you, they say twenty million will be needed to clean up after the riots in Dublin? Um, is that how you get things done in this country?
4: Michael, this has been discussed discussed at at many uh, parliamentary party meetings and discussions. Um, over the past couple of months, way before, way before the riots in Dublin. And, and the riots in Dublin um, are, are, not, are not just one singular um, an anti-immigration thing. There is a lot of other issues going on there. And I think we would need an, an, another, another interview or an hour to discuss those okay, things. Okay. What happened in Dublin was wrong, absolutely wrong. Um, and in no way it is related to this, because this was this was discussed, it was talked about m- many occasions way before this. And again, I must stress, this is in line with other EU countries. It's absolutely, absolutely in line with other EU countries. And it is important to say that we have loads of jobs in this country that are empty, that we need people to work, um, and they are welcome to come to up, uh, to have those jobs so this is a 90 day limit on, on 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 something but they have a world of opportunity within this country like other refugees and it equalizes what how we treat all our refugees mm. in this case because brutal. there's no hierarchy of refugees michael yeah, yeah. um you know no, and you're and, right you're right uh,
2: we're, we're we're going to treat all refugees the same brutal
4: uh, we we uh, we can we can discuss I have my serious problems with direct provision. We've discussed this before, Michael. There is a lot of difficulties within, within the IPAS system. Um, and again, if you want me to go into the, my, my mm. issues with them, I, I absolutely will. Mm. Um, well, they're the and same issues. We, we I must. mean,
2: without going into them, the same issues. You're putting uh, Ukrainians I- into the same category and treating them the same way. Brutal.
4: Absolutely. We, we we, everything has to, can be improved. But the point is that we must be able to continue to be able to take people in. We must be able to take, be able to continue to take people in and not have them in those tents, okay. have them in other places, um, in, in, proper, in proper buildings. Okay. Um, and this is a way for us to be able to do that, Michael. There are, well, you know, we gave you to 100,000 yeah. Ukrainians in this country. They are so welcome. But we must encourage, support and help them get into jobs, into their communities. I know so many Ukrainians okay. um, and other refugees I've, that have made valuable contributions Oh, absolutely,
2: contributions absolutely. To this country.
4: And, and, and that mm, is absolutely
3: mm, welcome. Okay, I, I have to wrap it up there, and
2: I've run over time. I'm, I have to leave it there. But thank you indeed uh, for joining us this morning. Uh, thank you, uh, Fianna Fáil, Senator Erin and Our thanks as well to Fine Gael, uh, Senator John McGahan. Already a number of people in touch with us. You're welcome to comment, though, oh four one nine eight three two thousand. Text or WhatsApp, 0861800658. Email michael at lmfm.com Michael Reed on
8: LMFM.
2: Just read part of an article for you from the Irish Times. More than 3,000 people, including mothers with babies and school children, queued from just after 4am in Dublin city centre on Wednesday for tickets entitling them to Christmas food vouchers. The queue at the Capuchin centre went down Bow Street around the corner to Nicholas Avenue. The centre opened just after seven o'clock. In the morning, providing weekly food parcels along with uh, the annual Christmas vouchers. And Kitty Holland, in her report, tells us that others kept arriving through the morning, ensuring the queue did not abate. It swelled several times with local Gardaí stewarding and ensuring it kept moving. 3,000 people looking for food from a charity on one night in our capital city, Wednesday of uh, this week. Let's speak to Suzanne Rogers, Research and Policy Analyst with Social Justice Ireland. Good morning to you, Suzanne. Thanks for joining us, as always. Uh, this really is uh, something else, isn't it? I, I mean, I, there's certain things uh, that really strike you. I think this has to be one of them.
9: I completely agree. Thanks. And thanks for having us on this morning. Um, I, I agree with you. Like, it's... It, it's a shocking read. It really, really is. And I think, and I keep going back to the same thing all the time, like we have all of these newspaper headlines about we're a country at full employment. We are a country that has all of this money coming into the coffers. We had a headline about two, three weeks ago that the Exchequer had a higher than expected return from corporation tax. I was at a conference recently and there's an economics professor from... Limerick, Stephen Kinsler, and how he put it? Um, now I, I'm paraphrasing him, but, you know, our government has so much money, we're making up ways to spend it almost. And then you look at this, you look at 3,000 people queuing up in the cold and in the dark. Um, you know, it would be different if it was a nice sunny day, but, mm. you know, it's, it's cold and it's dark to get basics. Um, which is really quite shocking. and I, I mean, desperate is the only word I can think of. And when you read down through that piece, you can see who's being impacted. So it was older people. There was a gentleman there talking about, um, you know, he, he's, he's struggling with an addiction. Uh, he was, um, I think he was doing a community employment sort of scheme. You know, he's managing to keep things together. But as soon as he turned 66, that's it. And a lot of, uh, you know, children, so parents with children queuing up, So it's really clear that it's people who are on that kind of low and fixed income which are really struggling because your outgoings have increased but your income hasn't. Mm. So you're having, I mean, when I say make choices...
2: Depending on who you are, of course, uh, because it's Dickensian stuff. It is a tale of two cities.
9: Oh, completely, completely. I mean, uh, you know, you, you drive through Dublin City and you get about six or seven different types of Dublin. There's the leafy suburbs... Um, Even where I am now, I'm kind of out out of the north side of Dublin and there's pockets of extreme wealth, extreme wealth, sitting, you know, cheek by jowl then with really quite socioeconomically deprived housing estates. And it doesn't make sense. It really doesn't make sense in, in a wealthy Western country that we don't seem to be able to redistribute this wealth um, a little bit more equitably, and everybody benefits from this. You know, children going to school hungry can't concentrate, get left behind. Mm. You know, so again, we were really pleased to see the free school meals and all of that kind of stuff. But this is this is really, as you said, it's not something that you would expect to read. And one of the people who worked in the centre, I think, had said in this place that she'd never seen anything like it. So, as as our economy seems to grow we seem to have these people who are further and further and further left behind. So you kind of have to ask yourself, well, what's the point of having, you know, all of this corporation tax? What's mm. the point of having a thriving economy if we don't have a thriving society that sits beside it?
2: Mm. No, nobody, well, I, I don't think most people want this. I mean, I think if you went uh, around and spoke to people, uh, they'd tell you, no, w- we can afford uh, to look after people. Why don't we do it? So, If that's true, and I I, I can't say with any certainty it's true, but it's my belief. But if it is true, why don't we do it?
9: I I don't know. That's that. That is is the tough question. I I mean, I'm. Well, I I have
2: another theory on that. I think it's that it's like white noise uh, that uh, we've been watching it for so long, and that it's been Mm -hmm. building for so long, and that it's been getting worse over such a, a long period of time that we've forgotten. Uh, what it, it used to be like before this, and we've come to accept a lot of it. Uh, and we'd be amazed if it wasn't the case to some degree, maybe not to this degree. And when you see 3,000 people standing in a, a line, it, it strikes you. Uh, but maybe if it was 100 people, we'd say, Well, sure, that's the way the world is today.
9: It, it's like that's it. Like there should be no gap between what's acceptable and what we accept. And you're absolutely right. There, there seems to be a little bit of a, a, a pulse now between those two things. Like our homelessness figures, again, are extraordinary. Every month seems to break a new record. We have a commitment from the Taoiseach, say he has a, a well-being child poverty and wellbeing unit established within his his department and he's made this you know commitment that Ireland want, he wants Ireland to be the best country in the, in Europe to be in with you know to be a child and yet you've got i mean this piece said there are women there with children who are queuing up from early probably preschool before they go to school to make sure that they get their voucher now that's not what i would consider being, uh, you know, the, the best country in Ireland to which, within which to be a child, and again the same every month when we see the homelessness figures and we look at the amount of children who are living in homeless accommodation, um, it is absolutely extraordinary. And I suppose every time we have a conversation about social welfare with, you know, uh, officials or with the researchers, there's always this pushback about well you know you can't have social welfare at a, at, a, at a level which would become a work disincentive so this theory that well if we gave people enough to get by on in social welfare sure none of us would ever go to work you know it's so mm-hmm. it, there's a little bit of that kind of pushback from that but you can clearly see like as an adult in this country if you and i lose our job today we will get 220 euro a week um you know, benefit, and then we would have to go and apply for allowance, and we would have to see whether we got that. And that 220 has to put the roof over your head. You have to pay your rent. You have to put the food on the table, the heat bill, the light bill, top up your mobile phone, put out your bins, your TV license, your bus fares. You have to clothe yourself. You have to wash yourself. You have to get your hair cut out of that. Like, you, you know, there's no room for hobbies or social inclusion or education or insurance or anything like that within this. And even when you look at, say, things like, I mean, everybody's cost of shopping has gone up. Mm -hmm. But if you have the same amount of money, you're putting things back on the shelf. At this particular, I think since August, there's 110 million euro owed in electricity arrears across the country. And there's 30. Mm. 35 million Mm. out in gas arrears across the country. But people Mm. just can't Mm. keep up with the basics.
2: All right, Suzanne, I have to leave it there, but thank you indeed for joining us uh, this morning. That's Suzanne Rogers, Research and Policy Analyst with Social Justice Ireland.
8: Michael Michael
2: Reed on on LMFM. There's a a lot of people in touch with us today so far. Great to be getting uh, so many calls and texts, and I'll bring you some of uh, those messages uh, after the headlines uh, this morning when we have a bit more time. Just one message for the moment from somebody who says, What about the Irish homeless?
10: Lily and her five year old daughter face eviction from their home on New Year's Day. This little girl goes on Christmas holidays from school next week, not knowing if she'll be back with her class in January or where she'll be living. Barry Emer and their new baby face eviction. Emer says the experience has taken a serious toll on their mental health and has left Barry, who's a hardworking, committed frontline worker, feeling defeated as a father. They both feel betrayed as working, taxpaying citizens. Louise and her four children have lived in their rental home for over 10 years. Louise has been served with an eviction notice for January. Her landlord is willing to sell the house to the council, but Louise is currently not being considered for the tenant-in-situ scheme. So she and her children face losing what has been their home for a decade. Damien and Amy are a young couple expecting their first child, and they too have been served with an eviction notice. They've desperately searched for alternative rented accommodation, but to no avail. And they now face the prospect of being homeless at Christmas. They say they feel angry, broken, and terrified. Damien and Amy say they will have no choice but to sleep in their car and these harrowing stories, he shook, are replicated across the country.
2: That's Mary Lou MacDonald, Sinn Fein president, speaking in the doll about some people who are renting and are facing some dreadful situations in the coming days. Uh, but not everybody
11: is in that position. And you mentioned the RTV survey in, in your remarks. I do wonder if you actually read it, Deputy, because what the survey shows today, and it's a detailed survey of renters and landlords, it shows that 80% of tenants said that they were positive or very positive about renting their current property. 80% of private renters uh, saying that, Deputy. They said the median amount of rent that they spend was 30% of their net income. So that's 30% with their income after tax. <coughs> Academics say the affordability threshold is 35%, so well under that. And this was unchanged since 2019, 2020. So that indicates that affordability has been stable since then. Um, In addition to that, it shows that the median rent in 2022 uh, was 1,350 euros. So median means half pay more than that, half pay less than that. So roughly uh, 1,350 is the median rent in the country. Two people sharing uh, pay about uh, just under 700 euros each. And perhaps most interestingly of all, of those surveyed, and over 2,000 people were surveyed, an independent survey, uh, 70% said their current rent was the same or lower than when they first moved into the property. So that's what's happening on the ground, Deputy. Uh, I don't deny for a second that other people, and a lot of people, may have a lived experience that's different. But I think it's important you should acknowledge that survey, uh, because that is the reality for the majority of people.
2: And that's the shock, Leo Vradker.
8: Michael Reed Reed
2: on LMFM. Let me get to as many comments as possible uh, if uh, I can. Uh, First of all, uh, someone texting saying, Michael, I'm in favour of looking after people from Ukraine, but. Uh, Remember those uh, that come to Ireland, can afford to get out and purchase flights for the family and travel to different destinations. The poor people from Ukraine are still there suffering the daily torture of war. Thank you indeed uh, for your message. Deirdre and Kel says it's dreadful. To see people queuing up for food, especially children, it's uh, not right and very sad, says Deirdre. Uh, another text uh, from uh, somebody who says, whatever about the far leftist reads virtue signalling about how many nasty so-called far right are waiting uh, in, in the wings and uh, our caller then goes on to make a, a number of right-wing comments. Uh, thanks uh, for that. Uh, what about the Irish homeless? Did read that earlier. Somebody else says, what is this far right that you keep talking about? Can people not be concerned about who is coming into our country undocumented? Um, yeah, um, I must knock around uh, uh, later on this afternoon to... Uh, get a look at your own documents and and, uh, find out all about your criminal past. Uh, We don't do that, really, do we? Uh, Good morning, Michael, says somebody else. In my eyes, uh, there is far more support for refugees uh, than the hidden homeless in Ireland. I was in homeless accommodation with two kids for two days last December. Two days is all they could afford because everything else was full. I've tried to get help from uh, the council, but their full councillors are too busy for me uh, and they keep forgetting about us. I've spent one whole year in a state of shock and survival mode. It makes me so sad to think that my children are forgotten and uh, there are people then who are given accommodation. Thank you indeed uh, for that uh, and dreadful situation for anybody to be in, there is no doubt. Uh, Cottle in morning in Mornington says, Good morning, Michael. I'd like to throw a question out there. What do senators do in this country and why do we need them? Um. Maybe somebody who has a a vote uh, in Shannon's elections might uh, answer that uh, for you, Cahill. Uh, I certainly can't, uh, but thank you indeed. Uh, Somebody else says, has anyone asked uh, where most people from Ukraine are actually coming from? Uh, where they actually live in ukraine most are coming from areas that are not affected by the war thank you indeed Uh, we'll organize a fortnight over christmas for you in a part of ukraine that is not affected by the war if that's what you fancy um somebody else says michael would you stop with the right wing crap it's unsustainable what we're doing ukrainians away home for christmas yet one still coming in fleeing war does that make sense to you yeah, well, we could organise a, a fortnight in Ukraine for that listener as well, I'm sure, if that was what they were willing to do. Tom and Avon says, Michael, this government just shows how incompetent it is. Again and again, they think they're listening to the 75% of the voters, but again, they are not. Nobody wants refugees to be sleeping on the streets. 75% of voters want to look after the refugees that we have here now. The future ones are in doubt. David then says, the Irish government are starting to make changes to the asylum process based, on pressure from the so far so called far right, David says that's normal Irish people. Keep up the good work, Irish government. He, he says, Thanks uh, for that, uh, David. Uh, I, I think probably you are right. Uh, maybe that uh, there is some influence from the far right on government thinking, and maybe they've shook the government, uh, and maybe the government has uh, decided uh, to give in to some of the pressure. I don't know, but uh, it's a bizarre uh, change in policy. Tom, thanks for your text too. Tom says, Michael, the reason the government doesn't help poor people like those 3,000 people who stood outside the Capuchin Centre on Wednesday is because they're living so far from reality because they are all so wealthy. They are social snobs. Why can't they roll up their sleeves, throw off their suits, take a 50% reduction in salaries and then people might believe them when they say it's an honour to serve the country and its people. God be good to Tony Gregory. Tom says as well. Well, thank you for your message as well, Tom. And indeed, everybody who has been in touch so far, let me remind you how you can comment on the programme. You just ring us if you want to talk to us, oh four one nine eight three two thousand. You tell us what your comment is, we'll write it down and we'll tell everybody else. That's oh four one nine eight three two thousand. if you want to ring with a comment. You can text us uh, or WhatsApp us. It's the same number 0861800658 That's 0861800658 and you can email michael at lmfm.ie. Now yesterday the independent group of TDs called on the government to commit to a sustainable, resilient and zero carbon future. The motion from The Independent.
7: It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind.
2: ...group was timely, coming on foot of COP28. Thomas Pringle's group is one of three separate groups of independent TDs in the Dáil. Uh, And this is where it gets confusing uh, and without meaning to confuse you unnecessarily. uh, Not all independents see eye to eye on this issue. So there's Thomas Pringle's independent group which tabled this motion... Then there's the regional independence, which counts local TDs like Peter Tobin and uh, Peter Fitzpatrick uh, amongst its members. And then there's the rural independents. Carol Nolan, Michael Collins, Richard Donoghue, Matty McGrath, the Haley Ray brothers. It's this group, the rural independents, who are very much opposed to phasing out fossil fuels and saving the planet.
4: To start, I want to acknowledge the fact that the independent group in its bill does signal its recognition that government must uh, acknowledge the significant role of small and uh, medium-sized enterprises and Ireland's agri-economy. However, I cannot support the objectives of this bill because of the wide-ranging way it seeks to double down on the folly of so-called zero-carbon future by endorsing the development of a fossil fuel non-proliferation theory. This would place us within a regulatory straitjacket that would further threaten uh, energy security and lead to an unsustainable over-reliance on renewables.
2: That's Carol Nolan. She's one of uh, the five rural independents, uh, a group uh, that has been very vocal recently and accused by a number of uh, TDs of racism over a motion that they brought to the doll, you you'll remember, on immigration. Now, yesterday they were being asked to phase out the use of fossil fuels.
6: But I'm not in favour of this and I'll tell you why.
2: Rise, that's Michael Healy Ray, Independent T D from Kerry speaking For- to that motion yesterday. Uh, and indeed it's a, a motion that was chaired by a, another rural T D, Michael. Uh, ring of Fine Gael
6: Firstly the agricultural sector Is a cornerstone of Ireland's economy Is heavily dependent on fossil fuels For machinery, transportation and production processes A rapid transition could disrupt this sector Leading to economic stability And potential job losses
2: Michael Healy Ray concerned about the farmers of course
6: You're know, I'm delighted that you're in the chair uh, Kierlik, Because I want to relay a story Through you to the minister and to this house the last couple of days, the people over in COP have been talking about protecting our environment and protecting the world. Every one of them missed what was happening in Ireland in the last week. We have fallen animals, in other words, cows that die, calves that die, pigs that die, sheep that die. Does anybody inside this house recognise? They didn't carry alone in a week with we a thousand fallen animals.
2: Right, Michael Healy-Ray with uh, that message for the government, frustrated, it would seem, by all of that talk at COP28 about saving the planet.
6: So they're over in Dubai talking about protecting the environment. We have motions like this. Does anybody care about thousands and thousands of animals in Ireland on the top of the ground, rotting, and they can't be collected? And nobody's talking about that. Talk about an environmental disaster. Talk about an upset to people's families and farming people to look at animals. We have mats. As you know, animals die at a mat, accidents, different things happening. And I know of mats where there was numerous animals and they can't be collected. And nobody is talking about it. Or because they're more, they're more worried about trying to ban fossil fuels and stop people of surviving.
2: Uh, another independent TD who's a member of uh, this group is Richard Donoghue.
1: Fossil fuels and anyone in this country doesn't have an issue with fossil fuels transitioning out. But the part we have to look at here is transition. You have to look at support for, for transitioning out. They're not there. There's no support there. You look at the energy here at the moment and people are putting up solar panels in their houses, which is great. But the infrastructure can't take anything more than 6 kilowatts in a person's house. Even though a person can give you 20 kilowatts from their house, even though their house might only use 12 to 16, if you're underfloor heating it's up to 16 kilowatts your house will use. But the grid can't take it. So you can only, infrastructure is key. You look at, at people then that you want them to go to EVs, electric vehicles. The average car in this country is between 2010 and 2016 is the person that can... So they can only barely afford a car between 2010 and 2016, and people are pushing them to electric cars. The highest amount of second-hand cars for sale in the UK at the moment is EVs that they can't sell. Four-year-old EV cars, that can't be sold in the UK, are sitting in garages, they can't be sold. And you're trying to pressurise people, they're trying to feed their families trying to pay their mortgages, put food on the table and look after their families, and you're trying to force people that that can actually only afford between 2000 and 2016 vehicles to go to EVs. Support is what you need. Transition is what you need. Not coming on and guillotine something and saying, no, this has to happen today. That means that COP28 is a cop-out, because the person that's out there, went on live television saying that there should be 30 cars to communities that they can share vehicles. That's the person that's outside representing us at the moment. There's no cop on there now, is there?
2: There you go. No cop on, according to Rural Independent TD, Richard Donoghue.
1: Michael Michael Reed Reed on
2: LMFM Now thanks uh, to James in Drogheda detecting the programme this morning. He tells us he'd be delighted if he was given a holiday two weeks in Ukraine. He says I just have to stay at the nightclubs in case I get drafted. Mm. I'd say that's uh, hilarious. Um, Two weeks sounds fine to me. He says uh, I can share the flights with Ukrainians who are allowed to go home to a war zone for Christmas. Thanks James. Uh, why I just don't understand why there is um, such begrudgery or um, why people are trying to find fault with Ukrainians. We know there's a war going on there. We know that there isn't a corner of Ukraine uh, that you could call safe or feel safe in. Uh, and that's why I was saying, would you like two weeks holiday in Ukraine? Seriously, like, I mean, of course, the bombs haven't dropped in every corner of the country, uh, but would you really want to be there knowing that they could? Uh, and People are leaving for um, their lives. They're running for their lives. They're fleeing for their lives and uh, getting to uh, safety. And yes, some people do go back. It's a hellish journey. I think it's a a 24-hour train journey from Poland after you get to Poland and uh, the same then on the way back because of course they've got family who are still there and uh, people that they love and people who they haven't seen maybe for a couple of years. Uh, Do we really begrudge people doing that and uh, I, I don't know. I think I, I, I've i heard of a lot of people who uh, have uh, applauded the bravery of Ukrainians who've fled the war, gone back for a while and and then fled it again, if you like. I, I think we'd probably all do that if, it, if, it, if, it, if the shoe was on the other foot. Uh, a text from somebody else who says, Mike, uh, the government have seen that people are concerned with immigration policy in this country. That is why... They plan to introduce these new measures. Uh, it's too late, though. Uh, the damage has been done. Our caller says, I'm not far right, nor am I racist, um, but has a, a difficulty with economic migrants. I think you'll find that there's very few economic migrants up the 100,000 people or so who were in the country. Uh, of course, there are some, but I think you'll find that there's few uh, because the vast majority of them are Ukrainians who are coming from war, let alone the other uh, parts of the world uh, where there are problems. Um, we'd Michael Cooney in touch, uh, who says, I think this fellow Michael, this is me, was very poor at conducting the discussions with the, the politicians he had on today for one i am not in any way connected to the far right and i deplore their actions it seems to me now i it's been betrayed by various radio and tv presenters that if you have reservations about all of the money that is being spent on accommodation for refugees ukrainians included you are labeled in the same category as the far right the far right should not be mentioned in these interviews because there's a lot of people in ireland that have serious reservations about homelessness and uh, the amount of money that we're spending on refugees. We have to be fair, and I I stand by that, uh, says uh, Michael. He says, please get somebody that has a a more balanced viewpoint when conducting such interviews. It seems to me a lot of other people think uh, that we're making the right move forward in this respect, says Michael. Uh, Another email uh, then uh, from Joe. No, actually, Joe phoned us. Uh, He says uh, it was disgraceful this morning, uh, the manner in which Michael treated the people he invited onto his show. When you invite somebody onto your show, you don't shout and talk them down. You should respect them. Michael is getting away with this, which is no good for a radio station. Thank you indeed uh, for your message, Joe. I think uh, if uh, we listen back to that, you'll uh, know that I asked uh, John McGann a-, a question and uh, that uh, it was Erin McGreen, uh, both senators, uh, but Erin McGreen, who took issue with uh, the question uh, uh, and uh, took issue with what was being said uh, and was s- making infactual statements, which I, I think we established without uh, any doubt uh, before the end of, uh, of uh, that interview. Uh, and, uh, of course, that was not going to be uh, something that we would have allowed to have gone unchallenged. Anyway, uh, let's talk about uh, new opening hours, uh, the extended opening hours that are expected under uh, the alcohol legislation, which we'll see. Uh, pubs and clubs open up till half two in the morning and six o'clock in the morning in some circumstances. Uh, Sheila Gilhini. Uh, of Alcohol Action Ireland uh, joins us now. Good morning to you, Dr. Kilheeny, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us. Uh, you, you've data, you say, uh, which has found that 67% of people are, are concerned uh, about the impact of uh, this change to licensing laws. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that data, if you would, please.
12: Sure. Thank you very much for having me on, uh, Michael. So, this is a poll that has been carried out by Ireland Thinks. And uh, so it's 1,300 people who have been polled uh, using, you know, usual polling uh, techniques, and what they have found is very serious concerns. So 67% of people, as you say, particularly concerned about the likely impact on our public services. So that's on our emergency departments and hospitals, that's on ambulance services, and on uh, policing and 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 transport. So these, these, are, these are worries. Uh, I will say that women in particular are worried with violence. Uh, 60% of women um, express a concern about the likely increase on, on street violence. And there's also you know, very significant concerns about domestic violence and sexual violence. Mm.
2: Uh, and why is that? Is it that people believe that if pubs and clubs are open later and longer, that people will drink more?
12: Yes, and all the evidence uh, internationally says that that is exactly what would happen. And indeed, we only have to look um, north of the border to see that is precisely what happened. So in Northern Ireland, uh, there were increases in their licensing hours, which was introduced from October 2021. And since that time, they have found a 17% increase in alcohol-related crime. And that experience is replicated right across the world. We have data that we can point to um, in Europe, um, Amsterdam, for example, in Norway. We've seen it actually in in Australia as well. And what we're saying is that before Ireland would go ahead and in, introduce uh, increased licensing hours, that we really need to do a health impact assessment of those proposals and really get a cost, get a measure of what could be expected and try to work out, well, where would resources need to go to to address that and who would pay for that? And then I think in the light of that sort of information, then you could make an informed decision about whether it's a good idea or not to go ahead with.
2: Mm. No, I think you've already decided uh, that it's not a good idea.
12: Well, we, we you know, have looked at this data on the international basis and certainly that is our view. But it isn't just our view on this we would say that there are public, we know in fact that there are public health advocates, whether we're talking about um, the Irish College of Psychiatrists or whether we're talking about um, the, uh, the Irish Association for Emergency Medicine, Irish Medical Organisation. There's multiple groups um, who are, have expressed this concern. And there's also local uh, community groups who are saying the same things them, themselves because they, they can see already the impact that we have um, from alcohol on our communities. Mm. So right now we know that for more people die every day from alcohol. There's 1,500 beds are being used today. 1,500 hospital beds are being used today because of alcohol-related um, uh, illnesses. So why would we want to add to that pressure and that burden that's actually on our, our health system? And really what we're also pointing to is the, the government policy incoherence, the mismatch, because on the one hand you have the Department of Health who are actively seeking to try and reduce the level of alcohol use uh, in the country, and then we have another wing of the government, the Department of Justice, through Minister Helen McEntee, mm. saying actually we want to increase it, and you really have to say, you now something needs to be joining the dots here, and I would say that it's probably a very good case for the, the CMO, the Chief Medical Officer, Professor Breda Smith, to step in here and look at this in detail and ensure sure that the whole of the government have the information that's needed to be able to make an informed decision.
2: Right, um, it, Has it the potential to be as bad uh, as you're suggesting? I, I mean, are people going to stay out that late? I, mean, I imagine most people won't. I imagine most people will have something to do the day after, whether that's go to work or go to... Uh, see family or bring the kids uh, to Irish dancing classes or there's a match on or whatever it is uh, and uh, they may be tired anyway because they were up early and they'll go home Uh, and just because drink is available they're not going to stay out all all night and if, if there's any truth in what I've just said that means that very Few places are are going to stay open uh, until six o'clock in the morning. I I imagine you're talking about a handful of places across the country, and that would be in the major urban centres, whether that's uh, in Dublin or Cork or Galway or wherever. But for the most part, we're going to see pubs and clubs closing relatively early, despite the flexibility to remain open, will we not?
12: Well, I think it's true that you probably won't see very many nightclubs. You know, they they make up a very small proportion of the overall um, uh, you know, venues where, where alcohol is sold. But you know, if you're saying that all pubs and clubs are able to stay open certainly uh, an extra hour, and you're making it easier to have uh, late licenses to two thirty, plus there are also um, plans to introduce a, a new type of. A license called a cultural immunity license. So those that wouldn't normally have a license can apply for it and get that. Now all of that adds up to a considerable increase in both the the numbers of places where you can get alcohol and also the extent the time that that's visible. Mm. And again, all I can do is to point to the international evidence on this, uh, and as I say, even just looking up the road yeah. in Ireland, it will um, lead to increases in in harms such as crime and uh, things, things like illnesses uh, on, on on our population. Mm,
2: but if you go out for a, a few pints tomorrow night in Navin and you want to keep drinking, I'm sure you can stay out till 2 o'clock in the morning uh, by going to uh, a local nightclub. It, it, it makes no difference, does it? If you want drink, it's there anyway, uh, but um, you're not going to see your pubs opening that late.
12: Well, all I can do is, to, and I really do have to keep repeating this, mm. the evidence is that when you increase licensing hours, you do see an increase in alcohol use. And really, you only have to go into our EDs, our emergency departments, to see the impact that alcohol actually has on our services. Now, right now, no, the, the their Association for Emergency Medicine are absolutely on their knees. They're calling out. Uh, to government to say, please do not introduce this measure. We're already under severe pressure. Where are the, are the extra resources going to come from to, to be able to deal with the, the entirely foreseeable pressure that will call that will fall on them?
2: Okay, well you've issued that warning and that appeal for that matter to government. Uh, we'll leave it there for the moment uh, and thank you indeed uh, for joining us uh, this morning. That's uh, Dr Sheila Gilhaney who's uh, the CEO of Alcohol Action Ireland.
8: Michael Michael Reed Reed on on LMFM. It's no exaggeration to state that there has been an explosion in crimes against retailers in recent years.
13: The most worrying aspect of shoplifting today are the accompanying threats, the actual violence, the obscenities, the misogyny and the vile racist abuse levelled at owners and staff. There is no doubt but that these abuses are increasing year on year and have most certainly become more pronounced post-Covid. It's impossible to conceive a more worrying aspect of running a retail business for the majority of our 1,500 members than to have to console someone that has been assaulted and abused just for doing their job. It It may not be considered parliamentary language in this House, but I can't think of a more appropriate term for these people than thugs.
8: Retail theft in their stores is not taken seriously because the items taken are often low in value. However. If you were robbed on a daily basis, it amounts up very quickly. Our members report that retail theft costs them at least £40,000 per store in loss of goods, repair of fixtures and fittings, and security and CCTV costs. That amount can be much higher for some of our members in areas where crime is even more prevalent, um, but that's sort of around the average of what they're paying. And if Look at that collectively. That's a significant amount of money. They say that overall uh, shoplifting is costing the retail sector 1.6 billion. One of
13: the most annoying comments made by members of the force is, why don't you get your own security? Or the more recent and certainly offensive comments has been, take it up with your politicians or take it up with Drew Harris.
8: There are also accounts I can give you of retailers who called the Guardian to assist when a crime had been committed, but where the response was exceptionally slow. This was most graphically illustrated recently on the morning after the riots in Dublin when one of my members went in to open his store in the centre of Dublin at 5.30 a.m. Within minutes, he was threatened by a group of youths and he called the Guardian Store Street and got no response. A short time later, another group of youths came to the shop and he was so concerned for his safety that he pressed the panic button. Again, no response. There are clearly persistent issues concerning the availability of guardi, and these issues need to be addressed urgently.
13: The rise in shoplifting is directly related to the increase in the cost of living. This is not true. It is not basic foodstuffs that are most frequently stolen. Shoplifting by gangs is not carried out by Robin Hood and his Merry Men. Individuals secreting alcohol on their person or persons uh, literally emptying whole display sections of expensive personal hygiene products or washing machine refills are not robbing to feed a starving family. Anyone suggesting that retailers get what they deserve due to their position in society is guilty of perpetrating a falsehood.
14: I would have um, at least two to three per day, um, sometimes much more um and as you said, pe- petty teaming. Um Some organised gangs, as you just said earlier on, um, four or five people come in together, one or two keep an eye, while the other two or three fill their bags or they talk to the manager or to the staff. And then the, the biggest rise is underage, 14 to 16-year-olds on these wretched electric scooters, pull up outside, run in in gangs, grab what they can and run out. Um, completely brazen, completely aloof to any law or any wrongdoing and um, they know and they uh, say very often that they can't be touched you can't put your hands on me you can't stop me and they run out the door and they're right in the present situation we can't so they run out the door with the product and that's it and um, this and you mentioned costs earlier on this is to me we do a stock take on every quarter it's it is at the very very least um, 25,000 euro per year for stock and stock alone. I
5: would probably have five to ten incidents every day where I would have to challenge people robbing in my store. And, it's, and what's, what I find very upsetting now is the aggression of people now. There seems to be a terrible anger in society in terms of what's you know, 20, 30-year-olds you know, robbing a drink and you ask the drink back, you see them, they've got it. They won't give it back to you. They want to fight you for it. They walk out, they push their way out. They have no fear now because there is no deterrent. Nothing happens to anybody anymore in terms of going to court. There is, you know, there's, they're not afraid. There new, there's a new level of, of aggression in terms of, of, of where they are now. Um, and my staff are all, are, not, are all foreign staff. So, you know, I'm always afraid, you know, they have, they have no respect for them at all. You know, they think they shouldn't be here. Um, so therefore I have to deal with most of these instances myself Um, and, you know, you learn how to, you know, what you can do, what you can't do, you
8: know. Our members and their staff have been hit, kicked, beaten, spat at, stabbed with knives or syringes and shot at in the course of their work. There is a significant level of personal risk when seeking to protect your property and for many that personal risk is at a level where it is causing them to question the wisdom of continuing to expose themselves to this level of risk. They also are finding it extremely difficult to retain staff and recruit staff who do not want to work in these abusive, uh, threatening environments. There is also a legal risk to our members, and that's a persistent concern, is the fear of being sued if they try and protect themselves or their premises. And the threat of an action for defamation of some other spurious legal action is very real for for shopkeepers and their staff.
2: That's Tara Buckley, who's the Director-General of RG Data. We've also been listening to Vincent Jennings, Chief Executive of uh, the Convenience Stores and News Agents Association, as well as two shopkeepers, Michael O'Driscoll and Michael Noon. Vincent Jennings uh, is on the line with us uh, following uh, that Eroctus Committee hearing yesterday. Good morning, Vincent. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I suppose to some degree we've heard what the problem is. Uh, you offered a, a number of possible solutions yesterday to the members of uh, the com- committee. Maybe you talk us through those, if you would, please.
5: Good morning. Good morning, Michael. Yeah. Well, thanks for taking the interest of the matter. And I think that 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 uh, magazine that you just played there was a fair, fair synopsis of the difficulties that are faced with uh, providing a, a community based service. Uh, in grocery and uh, it's just frightening to be perfectly honest with you over a short period of time the breakdown that there is that you've just got a situation where it's now being officially considered that shoplifting is a pandemic and that's that's the garde themselves saying that it is at pandemic levels and that's almost an acknowledgement that there is um, a, a, an impossible scenario and you know, I don't know where it's going to finish. But in terms of um, uh, solutions or suggested solutions, we were very fortunate yesterday insofar as that we had very, very receptive ears, and um, a number of the deputies were more than willing to uh, engage and to consider recommendations and. Well, obviously, they will also have to speak to Angarda Siakana and to uh, the Department of Justice. But, yeah. I mean, one of them will, certainly was, you know, having a much quicker uh, and, and faster, fast-track method of um, of court appearances, you know, with one of the great difficulties, in, and, and we have massive under-reporting at the moment because people just don't, you know, you hear Michael talking about five and six a day and no one one's the same way, three or four instances every day. That doesn't make itself down to Store Street or any other Garda station. Uh, they, just, they just live with these things, and it's only the very, very most serious of those that have assaults have attached to them that actually get to the ears of the Gardaí. So it is massive underreporting because it's considered nothing will happen. Mm. And, and, and we in a society who allows these thugs and bullies to, 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 to run the roost, you know, we're, we're, we're heading for a really, really, really serious matter if we, if we just allow that to okay? mm. So we, we need to look at shoplifting in, in a number of different ways. And one of the things is you've got youngsters being sent in by, by, by parents and fagin like people to, to, to rob on their behalf because they are of a certain age or below a certain age and they are with impunity they'll come that they, they, they will do this they need to be referred to tussle i can't think of a more uh, salient point of, of 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 what is child abuse than actually somebody sending a child in to rob for them and they should be referred to tussle and the youth intervention services should be put in place on each occasion that this happens. That yeah, they're taken into uh,
2: they, care—is this or?
5: Well, well, I mean, they, they should be. They, they should most certainly there should be a youth monitoring, a youth crime monitoring program mm. put in place. I mean, it is there, but it's not being used to any great extent. But I mean, these people are at risk and. They are only children, and, and with, you'd love to think that they haven't gone so far uh, into irredeemable territory that they can't be turned around.
2: Maybe not, um, but it is certainly the foundation for a life of crime.
5: Oh yeah, oh, without a doubt, I mean, it, it, time and time again, I mean, and I know it from my own city in Limerick, I mean, I could, I could have pointed out to you, those who were at, the, at a later stage involved in the most heinous crimes, they began their life. Uh, in, in in shoplifting, that's it's a progression, and it works its way on. And if you don't actually intervene, if you don't actually make make interventions along the way and and, and prevent that. You're only s- sowing the seeds for further problems down the line. It has to be a case that we actually uh, take an interest in, in, in the matter, younger stage. I want to say that it's not necessarily a paternal instinct. You, you actually have to be very, very hard. You actually have to use tough love. You actually have to say that, you know, you are committing crimes and you're going to have to pay the cost for it. Mm. But you can't just nod and say, oh, sure, isn't it awful? And, you know, this is the cost of living crisis and stuff like that to be honest with you Michael it is nothing is more um, uh, annoying than hearing people making excuses for, 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 for these people there mm. is no excuse for stealing okay. or for abuse
2: well at 14 and 16 uh, it's uh, difficult uh, to uh think of what to do uh, as things stand uh there is no consequence as you stand uh, as things stand uh but 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 um should we reduce the age uh, that we consider somebody to be a minor rat uh, or should we have custodial sentences uh, for children
5: yeah. I mean, michael i mean i'm like i'm not a criminologist mm. so i'm mm-hmm. not a sociologist mm-hmm. i represent a of retailer it's like i mean we were we were fortunate as far as that we had willing ears uh, yesterday mm, with the senators and the again. It is for others to make laws if, if, if additional laws are required. Sure, okay. we're just saying, and, and it really was. It's an eye opener, and again mm. for yourselves today mm. to hear that it is at this horrific stage that it is now considered to be. You know, people are leaving the industry. People are not, 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 not yeah. being recruited mm. or retained because of the fear. And mm. and it's something that you wouldn't have known about only for the fact that the De committee. And, and they
2: might the, only uh, be children, but when a fourteen-year-old who comes at you aggressively. Oh, it's menace!
5: Oh, stop! I mean, and you get five or six of them on these, as 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 Noel was saying, uh, on, on, on on these wretched e-scooters scooters. But that is a fr- and balaclavas as well. You can, you can absolutely be sure that that is a frightening phalanx to, to, to come having at you.
2: Mm. Uh, is it worth tackling them? Do you do you just have to factor it in as a, a cost? I mean, we heard there are costs of twenty five thousand euro for stock only, yeah. uh, and another estimate of forty thousand when you yeah, take everything into to account. 40, to be yeah. yeah, I think it's closer to forty. When and, you take everything into account, with your yeah. CCTV and your security uh, and uh, and so on, that's a, an awful lot of money. Do you have to factor in forty thousand euro a, a year for shoplifting if you're going to open a shop in this country?
5: Yeah, I mean. Uh, it's, 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 it's one of those things, it's, and, and, and it is awful because you would much prefer, you really and truly would much prefer to give the benefit of that 40000 to your customers. You truly would. You know, If you could drop or if you could retain the price of things at a lower level, uh, then you would be doing everybody a favor, including yourself. It's not that you, that you want additional profits. I mean, you, you're in business in the most competitive environment, and you want to increase your competitiveness. Uh, but, I mean, this is preventing you from mm. doing so.
2: And we heard as well a uh, part of uh, apart from the threat of violence or, or being stabbed with a, a syringe or a knife or whatever uh, there's also then the question that you could end up in, in the courts and being
14: sued oh, sure, look, uh, the,
5: the defamation is just it is, it is the handiest money gone. They pretend to rob something they're confronted, and all of a sudden you have a solicitor's letter uh, suggesting that you know the only way out of this now is, is to uh, Make a uh, make a make a some form of of, of an approach, um, and you know between three to five thousand euro, and that's the kind of going rate. And you've, you've got complicit uh, uh, solicitors involved in the whole thing. But there's a small industry going on with this, and mm. it is infuriating to say the least.
2: I'd say it's infuriating to say the least. Yeah. I'd say it, uh, it, it takes its toll uh, on people's mental health. Uh, oh, and,
5: and 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 yeah, owners and their staff. Um, I mean, people who have travelled five and ten thousand miles across the world to to, to 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 go to college and to put in uh, put in a couple of hours mm. a week, uh, earning pin money for 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 putting through. They did not come all this way just to, uh, to be abused. And it's not fair uh, to, to have our country uh, the subject mm-hmm. of all kinds of racist abuse. Um, what is it saying about us? You know, are we still the, the, the land of welcomes? But it, it truly is. It's, it's an awful thing that the, 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 the mental well-being of our members and of their staff is something that has to be paramount. And it's being threatened by these people, thugs.
2: Mm. Okay. Well, you've made your case to the, uh, Oireachtas Committee. Uh, sure. I, I, I take it you'll be hoping that there'll be uh, something forthcoming as a, a result of all of this.
5: Oh yeah. I mean, we're not doing it for. Mm. Yeah. We we would hope so. We would hope so. And and in fairness now to the committee, um, across the party lines, we got a very very fair hearing and. Um, I thought that it was the start, hopefully it is the start of something, an acknowledgement of the problem. OK,
2: look, we'll leave it there. It's, uh, I don't know anybody does this. Yeah, thank in you very much indeed, you. Vincent. Thanks for joining us. As always, Vincent Jennings, Chief Executive of uh, the Convenience Stores and News Agents Association. Michael Michael Reed on LMFM. Thanks uh, to Tom in Dundalk, uh, texting, uh, saying, Hi, Mike. Uh, Does anybody spare a thought uh, for the families of uh, the Russian soldiers who are being killed and injured in uh, the Ukrainian Russian war? These people have feelings too. Must be devastating for them. How about the Irish government stepping out to appeal in the strongest way possible for a ceasefire leading to an end to this terrible war? It will end some time. Why not now, says uh, Tom. Very valid point, Tom. Uh, War is not good to anybody and there's lots of young Russian boys who are dying and have been dying over the course of uh, the last couple of years uh, because of this conflict. And uh, I hope uh, that all of us... uh, take uh, stock of uh, that uh, because uh, it is the reality of war regardless of which side you're on. You're usually just a young boy uh, knowing little about the world uh, who's been sent out for the sake of someone else's cause to your death. Uh, Joan says, Michael, a true refugee would not go back uh, to a war zone. Joan, you obviously know a a lot about it. Uh, I, I wonder after two years if you hadn't seen your dear old mother, who uh, probably won't be here in a few months, uh, would you take the chance? Uh, I don't know. Um, uh, but anyway, the fact is that there's a war on in Ukraine, Joan. I, I'm not sure why people are picking and uh, looking for problems with uh, Ukrainians. Uh, I mean, there's a war on there. We decided that we were going to support the people of Ukraine uh, and give them all of the support that we can. When they came here, uh, but uh, unfortunately that seems uh, not to be the case for some people who are saying, well, if it really was that bad, why are they doing this and why are they doing that? And Why have they got this and why have they got that? Um, They're people who have left their country, their home, their family, and they are vulnerable people. Uh, Yes, sometimes they will go back because it's possible to go back to fly to Poland, get a train down and take that horrid journey to see somebody um, who undoubtedly is very precious to you and hope that you get back alive. Is is that really worth an argument over? Anyway, Tony, uh, thanks uh, for your very, very long text, um, which... I really wouldn't have the time to read, let alone anything else. He says uh, when it comes uh, to uh, realigning or aligning Ukrainian payments with other European countries, I'd remind you uh, that I contacted you last week about this and that there's a pull factor in this country because of uh, what we're offering to Ukrainians I don't know, Tony, uh, if uh, that's the case or, or not. Uh, but you certainly have very strong feelings on it that you've uh, been making known to us. Uh, Betty Daly says, "Michael, you're right. We are now a nation of grudgers. When we had nothing, we shared everything. Uh, now we keep everything to ourselves. Shame on the meany guts giving out about our refugees." Thank you, Betty Daly. That's the final word today. Thanks to Maggie McGuire for researching pubs and the control tower. I'm Michael God willing We'll see you for. Our next program tomorrow morning at nine a.m. right here on LMFM. Good morning. Goodbye.
1: The Michael Reid podcast. Tune in weekdays from nine on LMFM. To contact us, email now michael at lmfm.ie.
7: When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers, and if you have a lot of mailing to do.